1: Welcome everyone to another Baseball America college podcast along with Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. This podcast is powered by Louisville Slugger leave your mark with a 2014 attack raid and assault bat lineup this season stronger lighter farther Louisville Slugger Aaron has gone I don't know about stronger and lighter but you're definitely farther than usual out in in the middle of the America's Midwest America's heartland in uh, Oklahoma the land that America initially did not want. So uh, Aaron uh, you are in Norman. Are you staying in Norman tonight?
2: Yes, I I am in Norman, and I've uh, gotten some. Uh, I got a restaurant tip from uh, from former Oklahoma pitcher Jordan John on Twitter yesterday, so I'm gonna have to tr- check that out. Nice. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been very. It was very breezy here yesterday, which I guess is uh, one of the things Oklahoma is known for. It's a windy place, but uh, um, you know, got a got a good look at uh, um, you know Kansas State with a redshirt freshman named Nate Greep who went in there and, and shut down. Um, a very potent Oklahoma offense that had been swinging the bats very well, scored 22 runs over the previous two games. And, you know, Greep wasn't doing anything fancy. He was just spotting his fastball. It was 86-88, and hitting the corners and, you know, a bunch of fly ball outs and uh, um, only three hits and went the the distance in a shutout. So, um, you know, really gave Kansas State what it needed to to salvage that Sunday game.
1: That was just what they needed. I'll give you a cars reference, just what I needed. So, Aaron, uh, Aaron, why don't we just jump in a lot of movement in the rankings this week. Since you've seen a couple of Big 12 games, We'll actually just jump in a little bit on the Big 12 standings. I'm throwing you a curveball. Um as as always you can right. send us questions to these podcasts for this podcast or of course for future ones um more importantly for future ones to uh podcast at baseballamerica.com or you can hit us up on Twitter he's at Aaron Fit I am at John Manuel BA um and I do have a question about uh, the the Maryland NC State series that we'll discuss later on but the Big 12 Aaron uh this is a league that has no teams ranked in the top uh 10 we have Texas at number twelve. Are they the only Big Twelve team in the top twenty-five? I believe they are. Correct.
2: Wow. Yeah, I think you're right.
1: And this is a league that is, I mean. So you've seen a lot of Big Twelve lately. You saw West Virginia in Chapel Hill. You've seen TCU. You saw Oklahoma and Kansas State. Um, no team. I guess West Virginia is the only team that's undefeated in league play because it hasn't played anyone yet. And uh, no one's under 500 in this league, but there's certainly, I guess Oklahoma has the gaudiest record. Uh, What do you make of the early Big 12? I mean, who is the favorite here? Is Texas the prohibitive favorite, even though they haven't won a conference series since 2012?
2: I wouldn't call anyone a prohibitive favorite in this league. I think it's wide, wide open. And and I I was talking with uh, um, one of the coaches this weekend, and I think it was... uh, I think it was Jim Schlossnagel, and he said, you know, this is a league where I, I, I honestly believe any team in this league could finish first or last. And, you know, I mean, I think he's onto something there. The, the teams that coming into the season, um, we weren't so sure about, you know, Kansas, Texas Tech, those teams have gotten off to good starts. Um, you know, Kansas State and TCU, two of the teams we really liked heading in the season, um, they've scuffled a little bit. Baylor was kind of that middle-of-the-pack team heading into the season. They've played really well. Three straight real-quality series wins um, against Cal State Fullerton, Texas Tech, and then Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is struggling. Um, that's a team a lot of people really liked. We weren't quite as sold on. Um, but, you know, they've lost uh, a couple of series now to San Diego and Baylor. And they, they really don't have any quality wins on their resume. So, um, you know, all these teams have some some talent. Um, you know, this could be... A five bid league, but who knows what the five teams are?
1: Yeah, that's a great way to put. I mean, and Baylor's resume just sums it all up. I mean, this is just a—they've been all over the place. Aaron lost a series at Arizona State to start the year. Uh, You know, uh, they they had a poor performance out in California. I mean, kudos to them for going out to California. Of course, the one weekend they choose to go to California is the weekend that it rained in California. But um, they lost to Cal twice, USD, UNCW. And then they go and, uh, like you said, they win three straight weekends. That's probably the best stretch that any team in the eight, uh, Big 12 has, right? I mean, if, uh, yeah. I mean, the, winning those three series, granted they were all at home, um, but that's a pretty fascinating series with them and West Virginia coming up uh, to open league play on the road and, then of course, they have to go to Texas. I mean, uh, it just seems like Baylor just uh, – none of these teams, like you said, are, are just easy reads. There's no easy read here. What makes Texas? I guess what made Texas the, the number twelve ranked team. It feels like it's a combination of just the expected pitching. They have seemed like they've pitched up to expectations, and they've played a, a fairly tough schedule. And outside of the the one uh, hiccup, they you know the for, against Kansas, they have played well in the non conference.
2: Well, yeah, I mean it's. Um, <laughs> Can you repeat the question, John? I got distracted. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry okay. about that. <laughs> is there
1: a cat there or something like that? Do you have a, do you have a pet there with you or no? Um, no the, no, the, no the, pets. The, the quick version of the question is, uh, what makes Texas the favorite? Why is uh, they have the strongest right, right. resume? They have the strongest talent base coming in. They were the highest ranked team in the preseason, but they have played well in the non-conference. And it, you know, do you still feel that they you know, are the best team in the league?
2: I think so. Um, you know because I think they have, first of all the best pitching although TCU I still think is going to be right there with them but I think Texas has the best pitching and has has been a better offensive team than TCU has been I mean TCU continues to be very inconsistent um you know Texas has has pitched very well and they've scored more runs they've been a lot more opportunistic on offense than they were last year and you know I mean we ran them back up a few spots in the rankings this week um not because they swept Columbia but because somebody had to move up, and you know, hey, Texas has a pretty decent body of work now. They're, they're nineteen and six. Um, you know, they had that great weekend at the Minute Maid Classic, where they, um, you know, they beat three quality teams out there in Rice, Houston, Sam Houston State. Um, you know, they they their best series win, I suppose, um, is, is Stanford, who's not great, but uh, they also went on the road to Cal and split four games. So, I mean, you know, I think they they played a solid schedule. You know, even Hawaii. I mean, they, they've played. Uh, brand name teams for the most part and um, you know they, they've they, there's not a huge difference uh, in their style of play I think they're just getting more timely hits and they're executing better on offense and um, you know than they have the last two years
1: yeah and they've, it seems like they've uh, found a home for John Curtis at the back of the bullpen that Curtis and Thornhill kind of two names guys who were supposed to be guys uh, obviously Curtis had Tommy John surgery has Thornhill had surgery as well or no
2: I don't think so. I don't
1: think so. I think he's been healthy, but they've they've found they've kind of got a. You can look at him, and we always we talk every year about you're looking for six pitchers, especially for the postseason. Well, Curtis Thornhill, French Peters, Chiraldi, and I guess you throw Travis Duke in there. They they have six pitchers here, you know guys who are throwing a lot of strikes, and um, you know Thornhill's kind of uh, effectively wild. French is like he gives them kind of a, a potential ace. And then uh, you know they do have a senior back in Mark Payton. He's not a big physical senior, but he is a good college hitter. He's been kind of he's been impossible to get out so far this year. They their strongest shortstop defensively within A It does seem that the building blocks are there for them to be a good team, but certainly not a not a dominant team. And like you said, it doesn't seem like there's a, I, you, you don't expect any team in that league to to run away from the pack.
2: Exactly right. I think it's it's really going to be a dogfight, and and you know I just I don't know again who who the best teams are at this point. I mean it's I think you can throw them in a hat and shake them up, and we'll see what comes out.
1: Well, Aaron, I think we feel the same way. Kind of in the top of our rankings, Florida State, South Carolina, and UVA is how we have one, two, three this week. You know, we we had South Carolina uh, at the top of the rankings coming into the week. They lost their first series of the year against at, at Kentucky. First time they left the Palmetto State. Florida State lost a tough series, uh, you know, uh, wins a tough series at Clemson as they go into the Palmetto State. Um, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of separation between Florida State, South Carolina, and Virginia either. You could, you could make a case for especially Florida State or South Carolina. Either of those teams' resume at number one, and Virginia's resume certainly is nothing to sneeze at either.
2: Yeah, and you know, out of those three teams, South Carolina now is the only one that has lost a weekend series. Right, but they only they still only have three losses on the year. Um, and they've got quality series wins against Clemson and Ole Miss. And, you know, that, that, that to me trumps anything really that, that's on Virginia's resume. Um, you know, the, the Cavs haven't played as robust a schedule. I mean, even their, their conference series um, start the year where, you know, at Duke, which we think Duke is okay. And, you know, Boston College, they swept at home. And then, um, you know, they split the first two games at Miami this weekend. So if they win that series. Um, you know, then they have finally got something there. And even Miami has, has been a weird team this year. They, they have not um, – gotten off to as good a start as we thought they would but you know that that would be a good quality series win certainly if they go down there and, and take two out of three
1: yeah and it's really uh the, the strange one i guess to me uh you know not, the, the the biggest surprise i guess in any of this aaron i mean again people are allowed to be humans i'm not trying to dog on them but well jordan montgomery back-to-back weeks for south carolina has been hit hard and uh, again he's human have you heard anything, or have you you know, seen anything? If you seen him on TV, I know you saw him in person. Uh, any reason to be concerned? There is it just uh, you know Jordan Montgomery having uh, you know again being human. We're talking about the South yeah, Carolina that's, ace for Friday starter. For those who don't know,
2: uh, no, I think I think Montgomery is going to be fine. And you know I do think it's curious that um, in, in the three games he started against you know real quality opponents, he struggled in all three of them. He wasn't great against Clemson either. Um, you know when, when when the Tigers built that five nothing lead that they later blew um you know i mean it's it's i think it's just one of those things i mean the, from the reports i hear there's nothing wrong with him his stuff's fine um i think it's just a funk you know i'm not worried about him i, I think he's right. got track record and you know he's good he just is in a little bit of a slump, slump right now
1: yeah it's not like he got hammered by uh you know in the first week his old miss he went into the sixth inning he did get pretty hammered by uh you know by kentucky I'm very curious. You know, Kentucky's just the, their offense just stands out so much in this in this uh, era, Aaron. We don't. I want to. I've I've already belabored that point. A uh, lot people are tired of hearing about it, about it. Uh, we brought uh, the Wildcats back in. I mean, but it's not just AJ Reed, right? I mean, he's he's got uh, supporting cast around him, but at the same time, AJ Reed's got nine home runs. I mean, for crying out loud, did he sneak in the old bats?
2: Yeah, I mean that's more than. Uh... Than Oregon State has as a team. It's one one fewer than Virginia has as a team and three fewer than Florida State has as a team. So um, he's just a physical guy who's, you know, I mean, he faced it on some softer competition early too, but, um, you know, he certainly can, has proven that he can hit quality pitching. And Michael Thomas has been the other guy that really has given them a, a huge lift. I mean, a veteran catcher that. Again, brings out physicality, and um, he's off to a great start. He's hitting over 400. He's got five home runs of his own, um, you know. And then Kuzino has bounced back from his little sophomore slump. So those are kind of their star guys that they're building around. And I do think there's some depth in this lineup, and some pieces that haven't even really gotten going yet that will, uh, like Thomas Bernal, and you know some of their, their freshmen. I think Shelby and, and Connor Hetty, um, those are guys they like, and. You know they; those guys have struggled a lot with the bats. So if those guys get going, maybe they could even have some more offensive upside.
1: It really feels like I mean it's early. Obviously, we're six weeks in, but I mean, college player of the year. Your two, your two top performers feel like Aaron Nola and AJ Reed. I mean Reed because Reed's also four and one on the mound. You know he has dominated on the mound, yeah. but he's been uh, you know he's he's a competitive weekend starter in the Southeastern Conference, and he has nine home runs. You know that's, yeah that that's a pretty compelling case uh, for AJ Reed Let, let's just stay in the southeastern Conference if you don't mind Aaron and um, and talk about the league um obviously they're in league play fascinating just to see I mean, we've talked about it all year already just the crazy parody in this league how there's no separation here either um, we have four or five teams that are three and three in the SEC East. No one in the league is more than four and two, and Auburn has been really the surprise of the year. So the, uh, the Auburn Tigers give Tigers give us our twelfth different Southeastern Conference team that we've ranked this year. The Tigers come in the rankings at twenty one, and Sonny Galloway, you're you're uh, maybe you, you could go rent Sonny's old place um, there in Norman. Um, leaves Oklahoma for Auburn. He's got the Tigers seventeen and eight. Four and two in the SEC so far with a couple of weekend series wins at home against Texas A and M and then on the road against what had been a, a very hot and confident Tennessee team, but a team that feels like Aaron Auburn and Tennessee pretty similar talent wise. It feels like those two clubs coming into the year. Uh what's Auburn doing so well besides uh well I guess it starts with the freshman Keegan Thompson?
2: Yeah, certainly he's been a you know he's been every bit as good as they thought he would be and and um he is contributing two ways but he's making much more of an impact on the mound um you know i think he's five and zero with an era less than one right now and um you know he, he was a guy coming in that was, was just so polished because he's he's got all that team usa experience um you know that i was talking about him with the team usa guys yesterday and, and they said you know we love this guy he's been at the bottom of uh, two dog piles for us you know right. I mean, he's um he's never gonna be intimidated by a big situation and he's and he's got good stuff. He's a four pitch guy. Um I think he's been working ninety ninety three for them and um you know, and he he won that game, I think, seven strong innings against Tennessee on Saturday. Um and then Dylan Ortman on Friday has been kind of the guy who's come out of nowhere. I mean a guy who's never really started before at Auburn, he was more of a bullpen guy. Um and they decided coming out of the shoot they were gonna throw him on Fridays and um you know it's 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 nothing fancy about him. I mean, he's not funky, you know, he's not particularly deceptive. He doesn't have overpowering stuff. It's just three pitch mix, you know, hit your spots. Um, those guys can be pretty successful in college baseball now. And, and, you know, he's done a really good job for them setting the tone on Friday nights. And, um, they've played, they've played good defense. They, they had to move, uh, move some pieces around a little bit. They moved Dan Gleveniak from, from shortstop to, to second base, um, which has, has worked, worked out pretty nicely for them. Um, you know, I think he's settled in pretty well there, and they've got uh, two good catchers they like that they mix up a little bit with Blake Austin back there, and then the freshman Blake Logan, um, you know, which I think will help them keep their their catching fresh throughout the season. Um, you know, they've they've got they've got some depth. Um, you know, Damon Hacker is the guy who's coming at shortstop, the the freshman. Um, you know, and, and Sunny Galway was saying saying how how shorthanded he's been, and that's really been a um, a key for them defensively. So, I mean, they're a team that. Um, I think on talent, I, I still think Tennessee has more raw talent. I, I think that Tennessee roster is pretty loaded. Um, but Auburn is, has done a really good job staying in their approach and buying into what Sonny Galloway is teaching out there.
1: And it feels like they're just getting Sam Gilligan back uh, from an injury. That's a, a, you know, an athletic uh, guy who they liked uh, coming out of high school there in, uh, in Alabama. was a uh, big high-profile recruit. And uh, just getting him back in the lineup, uh, it does feel like they have some depth. I mean, depth. I mean, and then they have, they they do have veterans in that lineup. Tom Tella, Aaron, are guys who've been through it. You know, Tom won a national junior college title in Iowa. And seems like he had some adjustments they had to make last year to SEC play. But he, uh, we'll see if he can keep it up. I think he got off to a good non-conference start last year. Tella's hit for two years in the league as another JC recruit. So it feels like the offense is, it feels like it's sustainable. I mean, uh Sunny seems like he has a pretty good track record of getting uh, teams to hit. They're aggressive on the bases. They draw some walks. It doesn't, you know, especially if Ortman can keep it up. And he's had is- control issues in the past, and that really seems to be sticking out for him. That he's only walked six in forty-one innings this year. It feels like that's if if he and some of this other pitching they've you know coaxed along so far this year, if they can sustain that, it feels like the offense is sustainable for them, and, um, and they feel like they're for reals. What I'm saying.
2: I think I think they you know they feel as for real as a lot of teams in the SEC and that's the, that's the th- the issue here is we just don't know how this thing's going to shake out. I mean they're like like you said this is our 12th team now in this league that we've ranked. The only teams that I feel like aren't real regional contenders are Georgia and Missouri. Everybody else is going to be right in the mix and they're going to beat the crap out of each other all year long. Um, and all these teams are going to have ups and downs. Auburn is not going to go wire to wire here, winning every series. Um, you know they're going to have. Their, their struggles in South Carolina uh, had their first hiccup this weekend. They're their number two team in the country. I mean, right. there's just there's just uh, incredible incredible depth in this league, and um, you know I, I just think um, there's not going to be a team do anything like what Vanderbilt did last year, where they won every series and um, what did they lose three three conference games all year last Something, year? I think they're were one and three.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean that's not going to happen.
1: Doesn't feel like that can happen. Uh, Vanderbilt, in fact, loses a series this weekend. Aaron, and uh, to Mississippi State, it's like a pretty big deal for Mississippi State, which had been, you know, struggling in the pre-conference, but here are the Bulldogs, Uh, do we have them ranked second highest out of the SEC teams, I believe, coming into the year after South Carolina, correct? That's right, yeah. I mean, I think we really had our questions about them, uh, that series against Holy Cross, but as you wrote, John Cohen, you know, really kind of experimenting, mixing and matching, kind of trying to used the the pre conference almost as spring training, and you know, like he said, Georgia is one of the teams that um, you know is not we don't consider a regional contender. Although they were hot going into that series um, with Mississippi State, but Mississippi State never easy to win on the road, and they went to Georgia, won that series on the road, especially after losing on Friday, and now they won a series at home against a very talented Vanderbilt team. Uh, what did uh, John Cohen find out in the pre conference here that allowed? that's allowed Mississippi State to get off of this strong start in league play.
2: Well, I think the key has been, um, it, it looks like he's got his rotation now. You know, they've they've um, they made the move a couple of weeks ago to put Ross Mitchell on Saturdays, and I think that has worked out very well. Um, and now they've got this... Uh, this uh, Preston Brown going on Fridays and um, you know, kind of a less heralded guy. Um, But uh, it it, it was striking to me, you know, Brandon Woodruff, the big um, power armed guy that they thought was going to be their Friday, their, their, their next Chris Stratton guy. And, um, you know, he struggled. He couldn't. He couldn't handle the starting role for whatever reason. And um, he comes out of the bullpen in, in mop-up duty in a 17-2 game on on Friday. Whereas Preston Brown, this guy wasn't really on the radar. Gives him eight strong innings. Um, so you know, <laughs> wow. sometimes, sometimes it's just a matter of finding the right mix. And you know, Mississippi State. I think they played. I think they played 27 different lineups in 27 games. Which to me, I'd like to see a little bit more. Um, consistency. I think there's such a thing as is too much tinkering. I think you know, let the guys get into a rhythm. I know you want to find out what you got and play a lot of different combinations. Um, you know, and, and certainly it has worked for John Cohen, but um, I don't know. I think at some point you want to see you want to see this thing settle in here pretty
0: soon.
1: I assume that you want to see your guys who you're giving big scholarship money to be your guys. I mean, Preston Brown threw eight innings last year, and he's a redshirt sophomore. Uh, that's quite a story here, and that this is now their Friday guy. That's crazy. And he's thriving so far in the role. He's given up five runs all year. But that is not a guy that you would probably ever expect to have seen in the questionnaire in the preseason that were, uh, they, they would have expected him to be in a prominent role.
2: Right, exactly. And, you know, in our, in our conversations in the, the preseason with their coaching staff, I mean, you know, I think they might have mentioned a dozen arms, and he wasn't one of them. So uh, it just shows you, I mean, this is a guy that really has um, kind of came out of nowhere to, to, to be their, their number one starter right now. We'll see how long that that lasts. Uh, but so far, so good.
1: And I think it's also just notable, uh, you know, it's just the college baseball atmosphere we're in. It's notable they have a couple of talented veterans uh, in their lineup, Aaron, who I mean, CT Bradford's always kind of injury prone, and like he's missed some time, and Demarcus Henderson's missed some time. But those two guys, Wes Ray, you know, has been he's the one rock it feels like who's been in their lineup, and he's not having a great year. But what power is in their league is in their lineup is provided by Wes, Wes Ray, and it seems like opposing teams, you know, pitching to him quite carefully. Um, but this this feels like a team, again, that the talent is there. You got to figure they're going to fit. They're going to settle on a lineup here somewhere soon, Um, and and they have. uh, I do like their depth of their lineup. They do. I I do like that they have options, um, and obviously the depth of their pitching staff. Um, have, Have they been? Has their bullpen missed Mitchell yet, or have they gotten more of a plus of having him on Saturday?
2: Well, you know, I mean, I, I think obviously it would be stronger if they had him. But, but I agree. I, I think having him go deep on Saturday, um, it, it does a lot of good for the rest of the bullpen, like you said. I mean, um, you know, it's just less innings you need to get out of your bullpen in that middle game. It helps keep everybody fresh. You can use you need to use on Friday and bring them back on Sunday. Um, you know, So I think that formula works when you've got a guy who can eat up innings on Saturday. It's really important. Um, so, you know, they, they did give up. I think their bullpen gave up some runs um, on on Sunday in that game that they were losing to Vanderbilt but you know Lindgren in particular um and Miles Gentry those are two of their real their real key guys veteran guys and Ben Bracewell is the third guy who came in and kind of ended that thing for them but those guys um give up a couple of runs but you know i i think there's really nothing to worry about i still think their bullpens going to be very good i don't think it will be I mean, I think I might have called it an 80 bullpen heading into the season, assuming Mitchell was going to be in there and Lindgren right. and uh, Holder and Gentry and all those guys. It's not an 80 bullpen, and it won't be, um, but it, it it should still be you know above average or, or better than that.
1: The only sweep I believe in league play—correct me if I'm wrong—has um, been Ole Miss sweeping Missouri this weekend, or am I missing a sweep in the other league? I think that's Let me the only see. Sweep. I think
2: I think that's right. Yeah. Wow.
1: Um. So Ole Miss, I mean, and and again, Ole Miss has, was not in the top 25 to start the year. Um, you know, they swept the series at Stetson to start the year off. They swept the midweek against Southeastern Louisiana. They've swept the series against UCF. It was a pretty good non-conference series. Lost a heartbreaker last week at South Carolina in the middle game of that uh, series, then wound up getting swept in the doubleheader. So they lost the series, but Ole Miss's resume certainly looks like um, – Certainly looks like they're the best uh, resume in
2: the league. Well, I don't know. I mean, they you know, they they've done a good job against a a decent schedule, but um there, there isn't really anything loud on their resume. You know, I mean they're twenty one and four, that's the loudest thing they're going for them is their overall record. But right. um I don't think they've got a series win against a regional team yet. I mean the only regional team I think they've played is South Carolina, ultimately. Um so, you know, I'm not gonna say that they've got the best resume in the league. I, I think it's you know, I mean, I think it's South Carolina, obviously, um, or Vanderbilt. Um, but uh, you know, right. Ole Miss has Ole done a good job.
1: So Ole Miss, like you said, it's more the it's more the record. I mean, I'm glad you I'm glad you corrected me, Aaron. You are you're uh, that's why you're the beat guy, and I'm just the rapper over here. It's uh, it's important to uh, make that distinction. Twenty-one and four is loud. Um, you know, we dropped Vanderbilt to seven, only a really a spot or two, Aaron. You know, it's just at the, at the SEC, just the, the competitiveness. is just not something that's going to change. All year, the depth of this league, and we'll keep on watching. Obviously, as the you know, it's only we're, we're six weeks in, six weeks in. Next week will be the halfway point of the regular season. But I, I think you know, next week will be really our first stock report. Correct? Uh, sometime in yeah, next week,
2: I would think so. Yeah, we'll have seven weeks in. That's usually about when we start. Uh, we might start with a mid season full projection, and then and then go to the weekly stock report thereafter.
1: I think it's going to be hard for you to get to sixty four <laughs> without eleven. SEC teams?
2: Boy, I mean, at least 10. And, and I don't know who I'm going to leave out. I mean, you know, at this point, it's just too early to know um, who are the teams that are going to get squeezed out of there. Because, you know, I thought maybe it would be Arkansas or Texas A&M because they had started to struggle a little bit. And they both bounced back this weekend in one series against Alabama and Florida. Um, who, I, you know, it's just, it, it's just so muddled. I have no idea how that league's going to shake out.
1: I don't either. <laughs> it's, it's fun to watch. I will say it, it is fun to watch. Now, speaking of less fun to watch so far has been the Atlantic Coast Conference. Aaron, I I think that's fair to say because so far uh, the SEC is kind of playing according to type as far as we had four teams bunched at 7, 8, 9, 10. We thought that league was going to be strong and deep and there wasn't a great team. But South Carolina might be a great team. Vanderbilt might be a great team. But we we didn't think anyone would run away. And the ACC we thought was a top-heavy league. So far, Florida State, Virginia – have uh, held that up. But NC State is not holding up its end of the bargain. Um, and, and it's just jarring, Aaron, to see a top-ten team get swept two weekends in a row. NC State drops all the way down to number 25, officially on notice. <laughs> you know, you better have a 4-0 week or you probably could get out of the top 25 rankings. But more importantly, Aaron, they just I don't think that team has an identity yet. And uh, they've lost four of Carlos Redon's six starts uh now Logan Jernigan and Brad Stone didn't pitch great the lineup uh, nothing's really gone according to plan for NC State has it
2: yeah that's it i mean right now that's a team that i'm i'm worried about a little bit and you know there's there's some teams that um you know get off to not great starts and you think okay you know it's fine and and i still think NC State will get it going but you know there's some red, there's some red flags here right now with this team i mean their their stars um are not Playing like stars, I don't. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it's draftitis, but you you see that sometimes with juniors. No you know, doubt. guys that have performed freshman and sophomore years and have kind of struggle as juniors. Um, and there's a lot of pressure on the, those guys. They're under the microscope, and you know they've been very quiet. I mean, you know, Andrew kisner has been their best hitter, not Trey Turner. Right. Um, you know, so, and then Radon. I mean, I think you have to acknowledge the fact now he's two and four, and it's not like he's pitched horribly, um, but. You know, is there – I think I think maybe NC State needs more leadership out of him. And, um, you know, the reports we've we've heard on, on, you know, some of the antics on the mound, it rubs people the wrong way. And, you know, I know it's always rubbed some people the wrong way. Um, but when it's not going well for that guy, um, I don't know, John. I mean, I, I think he, he needs to do a better job reining in his emotions.
1: There's no doubt. I mean, there's no doubt about that. That's all the reports I got this weekend where, hey, you know, the stuff was down by the 4th or 5th inning and that was a problem. You know, he his velocity was down. So that's what uh, that's one part that scouts are concerned about. You know, velocity ca- can come and go. He hasn't kicked it into high gear yet, and I think everyone keeps on waiting to see high gear. He certainly set the bar high last summer and uh, last season. his first two seasons he set the bar very high. So the expectations are high. He he wants those high expectations. But like you said, the antics, you know, um, the, the body language. You know, Brett Austin talked about in the preseason. They talked to him about his body language. You know, When when NC State's defense has struggled behind him, he has not responded well. Um, yeah. it, it almost He's actually performed. He's pitched fairly well. It's not like there's any red flags in the numbers. But like you said, leadership, I think, is an issue there. Um, I, I think Trey Turner, you know, hitting home runs in the last two games of that weekend – trying to show some leadership, by, you know, offensively. You know, but NC State, you know, against Maryland, facing a sweep. Uh, Brett, Brad Stone is a guy out of the first inning, and their only offense is two solo homers. You know, uh, it, it, they, they, they seem like they've missed the depth of that bullpen. You know, they, they have two guys that they really like back there, Olzac and uh, Andrew Wick. Um, but it's not the same depth of bullpen they had last year. The starting pitching is supposed to be what kind of carries that team. And, boy, the defense has been a problem all year for NC State. So there's not really a part of their game that you can point to with the team and say this part is functioning at peak capacity. You know, they're fielding 971, but it feels like in league games uh, there's been plays they haven't made, errors that have come at inopportune times. Um, so it's just not uh, not a team that's uh, firing anywhere near to uh, all cylinders. And it doesn't, you know, it's the ACC conference schedule is not going to get a whole lot easier for them um, as there's you know and and meanwhile Maryland Aaron really sounds like a team that uh, you're gonna have to really bring a a polished approach at the plate to beat guys like Jake Stinnett and this weekend rotation that John Sheff has put together there Um, this is this is a regional contender and I think Aaron this is gonna be a regional team they've already played four top 25 series um they lost three of them but they didn't get swept at florida they didn't get swept at florida state and they didn't get swept at home by north carolina um and then they've swept nc state so six and six against those teams they've got they've got clemson at home they've got georgia tech at home notre dame at home and their remaining league series on the road are all winnable series at wake forest at virginia tech at bc at pittsburgh I think Maryland's a regional team, Aaron. Tell me I'm wrong.
2: No, I think you might very well be right. And, you know, the thing that we keep hearing uh, from people who play Maryland, everyone comes away saying, hey, they're pretty good. And, and it's not just because, of the, the you know, it's a great one to punch in the rotation, I think, with, with Jake Stinnett and and, and um, Mike Schauer, the freshman. How, how do you
1: pronounce yeah,
2: it? I think it's Schauerin. Shower, okay. Um, as far as I can gather.
1: I didn't I want butch- to butcher it. I don't think you did, I, um, I appreciate you making the effort.
2: But, you know, the other thing that I keep hearing about is they got all these exciting power arms in the bullpen that they run at you. I mean, they, this is a team that has some depth on the mound. And, and I think, you know, I don't think they're a great offensive team, but they did score some runs this weekend. And, um you know, against a, a talented NC State pitching staff. And, you know, yeah, I think I the think this, this schedule opens up okay for them. I mean, it's not like, um, you know, they're, this weekend against Clemson, if they lose a fourth series, um, then, well, you know, I mean, honestly, you can lose weekend series. And, and you know, if you, as long as you don't get swept, it doesn't really kill you uh, from a resume standpoint. We've seen that. I mean, right. the, you and I, John, probably place more value in weekend series than the committee does. You're um, right. Unfortunately, I think they should play more, place more value in weekend series. But you know, there's something to be said for not getting swept. And if they can take care of business in, in some of those other series you talked about, and I'm not completely convinced yet that you know they're going to be able to do that from week to week. I mean, you know, if, if you're losing all the series, most of the series to, to to the top teams, that means you need to win those road series at Wake Forest and Virginia Tech and Pitt. And those are teams that are capable of winning series. Um, so there's no gimmies here. But no doubt. But but I but I think. You know, they look like they're probably right in the mix there with, I think, still with Duke um, for being maybe an eighth team out of the ACC. Now it looks like Georgia Tech will be, you know, one of those top seven teams. I had my doubts about them a few weeks ago, but they've kind of, um, you know, they they, they've made me feel a bit better about their prospects so um and and Duke actually just got swept this weekend at Pitt so that just shows you that's a team that I kind of thought was in the mix um to maybe be a regional team and you know and and Pitt's a team that that is not a not not an automatic victory in the ACC that's for sure
1: no doubt I mean hey Pittsburgh uh you know didn't get swept at North Carolina in its first weekend they won 42 games last year they're fully funded now um I tell you it was a it was an impressive look at Georgia Tech, Aaron. Because I think that the average college baseball fan—if you're into college baseball and you—you listen to this podcast, for example, sponsored by Louisville Slugger, the Baseball America college podcast with John Manuel and Aaron Fit. First, you notice that my voice is a little hoarse because I did three games this weekend, and boy, two of them were long. <laughs> <Two> <laughs> of them were really long, Aaron, of the North Carolina Georgia Tech series. And this—this this is not your—not your, not your uh, John Manuel's uh, Georgia Tech team. Not from this is not the ninety-seven to. 2004 version of Georgia Tech. This team has a walk on playing first base, hitting four hole in Thomas Smith. This team is retooled for the BB Core era, Aaron. This team is airtight defensively on the infield. The worst defender is Mott Hyde at, f- at second base, and he's a senior, and he's starting to figure it out offensively. This guy, I think uh, the notes said that Mott Hyde leads all Division I players in games played and starts among active Division I players. I think it starts. He has the most games started in Division I of any active player. And uh, this team is uh, built around defense. It's built around infield defense. Uh, at third base, Gold and Barzilli. A couple of freshmen, Brandon Gold and uh, I think it's Evan Barzilli. No, Elliot, Elliot Barzilli. Those guys, mm-hmm. those guys, Aaron, can really pick it. I, I was extremely impressed with Connor Justice, their freshman shortstop. He could really play shortstop. He turned four double plays. On uh, in the finale on Saturday night, and that's after playing 24 innings the first two games, uh, 13 inning, four and a half hour just grind fest in the first game Saturday. And they were fresh enough to turn four DPS. It certainly helps when you win that first one, but uh, I I, I really do wonder long term about Georgia Tech's pitching depth. I don't think they have the pitching to be an Omaha threat, but no. they do have a guy, and they've you know, they've moved. Because of the uh, rain, uh, impending rain Sunday, they moved the, – the, they had a doubleheader Saturday. And, you know, with, with a guy like Matt Grimes coming off Tommy John surgery, they really would have liked to have kept him and Devin Stanton on their regular schedule. They pitched Stanton on Saturday and only his second start. And he really competed well. So they had to move Grimes up a little bit. But he gave them everything they could have possibly asked for with seven innings after the, the, the they had been depleted. Uh, pretty intriguing young arm in Zach Ryan, uh, Indiana kid. Uh, Matt Gorst, another freshman who's got a pretty nice little breaking ball. He's had two poor outings in terms of walks earlier in the year. and he, I think he walked three against North Carolina, but he threw his breaking ball for strikes a lot. He was very confident, very good in the middle relief role. Uh, Dusty Isaacs is definitely better out of the bullpen than he ever was as a starter. And I'll tell you, Sam Clay, uh, his mama call him Clay, I'm going to call him Clay. Sam Clay... <laughs> Sam Clay, pretty outstanding on uh, Friday night. I believe he may have, uh, if he didn't get the loss, um, you know, it's because uh, they credited to Dusty Isaacs. He pitched really well, and this is one of the bigger recruits in their sophomore class. And Sam Clay's got a good left handed arm, uh, good tempo, deception, good size at 6'3, 205. He could be like that next Jed Bradley, the guy who makes a real step forward and becomes a high draft pick next year. Um, the radar gun. I, you know, I didn't have a radar gun on on Sam on uh, on Friday, but I was very impressed with him. Uh, if they pitch enough on the weekend in the starting role, Clay and uh, Isaacs, and then I feel Zach Ryan will give them a competitive three in the back of that bullpen. So it's it, it's just, but it's just fascinating to see here in a Georgia Tech team that really, outside of Grimes, does not have a big time draft prospect anywhere on the roster. It's a very much a it's a very different team from the last three years with Daniel Palka in the middle of the lineup. Or last year's just veteran power lineup with Palka, Evans, uh, Brandon Thomas. I know he had the injuries last year, but uh, you know Kyle Ren. They had that same lineup basically for three years. Completely different team this year, and it's much more of a grinded out mentality there.
2: That's a that's a neat report, and you know I'm, I'm glad you got a chance to see those guys for three games because it was a team that had a lot of uh, a lot of unknowns heading into the season and you know uh, I was ready to bury those guys I'll, I'll tell you I'll admit it I was ready to bury those guys after about four weeks of the season I just wasn't a believer I was and, right there with you, um, you <laughs> I know, was right there with you the last two weeks and the last two weeks, they've shown me something, you know, beating winning series against Miami and North Carolina, and uh, now that you've gotten a pretty good look at them, they sound, they sound kind of intriguing, and, and I agree I'm not sold in their pitching depth. Uh, I think that's going to be a problem for them long term, but they sound like they're, they're good enough to um, be very competitive in the ACC, obviously, and, and, and probably get back into a regional.
1: Well, four ACC teams in the final six spots of our rankings, Clemson, Georgia Tech, UNC, NC State, with Auburn and Tennessee sandwiched in between at twenty-one, twenty-two, So some power conference foo there, Aaron, in the Pac-12. We almost brought in UW. No room at the end for the Huskies this weekend, but feels like that's the, the big news out of the uh, Pac-12 this weekend is A, Oregon State's biggest test to date in terms of the schedule, and they didn't quite pass it. They lose a series at Arizona State. No. Well, Arizona State really, that was like a must-win series for the Sun Devils. Still yeah. just 12-10 and 10 overall, Aaron, but now they have something that they can kind of hang their hat on is – this series winning is the, the, O state ballers,
2: And it was in Corvallis too. So, um, you know, not an easy place yeah. to go, good. to go and win. Um, and you know, Arizona state, they do have, you know, they do have some nice veteran pieces in the lineup. I mean, I don't love their lineup, but they've got some guys, um, you know, that, that grind it out and they do have, you know, a few good arms. I mean, Ryan Kellogg pitched very well in that win on Saturday, um, as, as he usually does. Right. Um, and, you know, I think Ryan Burr, is, 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 he settled back in where he belongs, the back of the bullpen, and he, he picked up the saves in both of their wins. Um, so I think moving him has really helped. Arizona State needed this. You're right. I mean, they entered this, this weekend a, a, as about a 500 team. And, um, you know, they they lost the series last weekend to Washington, um, and and you know now the Huskies are the, are the team they won back to back series against Arizona State and Arizona. Uh, they're sitting there at sixteen and five, and you know they sound pretty good. I mean I, I like their their three arms in the rotation um, quite a bit. Um, you know, three guys that have have power arms with 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 um, you know especially as a Sunday guy. i mean, you're not gonna find a better Sunday guy than Jake Brigh- uh, Jeff Brigham. That guy can light it up light up the gun. Um, you know so. Washington's got some athleticism. They've got some veterans. I I like Braden Bishop atop their lineup a lot. He he can be a dynamic player. Um, You know Robert Powell in the middle of their their lineup, and you know uh, they've got they've got some some um, nice pieces in place here. And they were kind of an under the radar team. And you know that. They opened up their new ballpark this weekend, Husky Ballpark, and I got a report from somebody who was there who just was raving about how nice it is, and they needed that. It's long overdue. And um, this is a program now that sure seems like it's headed in the right direction. And, hey, they might be the number four team in the Pac-12. If you you believe UCLA is the number three team, and the two Oregon teams are the top two, it might be UW as the fourth team. Who knows?
1: Aaron, how about this little tidbit from UW? Their best start in conference play since 2003. That predates Tim Lincecum. Talk about a ballpark that's overdue. about a team that's a little overdue. Best start in league play since 2003, and they drew about 4,300 fans for the whole weekend. Um, I would encourage, if you're interested in college baseball, obviously you're listening to this podcast again, have a nice photo story on their site uh, from opening night, which is just, you know, Good for them. I mean, it's good for college baseball that uh, in Seattle, in the you know the biggest city, the Pacific Northwest, you know the state of Oregon's already gone college baseball crazy. Uh, let's see if it can happen in, uh, in in the state of Washington. I mean, it's a, it's a great city. It's a great college atmosphere. It's a college environment. Um, you know, fans there are going to go for a winner, and uh, you know why not? Why not U Dub? You know, I'm I'm very encouraged that the fans there came out. They had their biggest crowd on Sunday, Aaron, which is very unusual in the college baseball uh, world. 1,700 fans on Sunday. Um, But yeah, I mean, Oregon, Oregon State, UCLA still feel like those are the top three teams in the league. But uh, good encouraging start for UW. Is there? I mean, who's who's the? It doesn't feel like there's a team there that could be a fifth a fifth regional team, Aaron, unless USC gets hot. just because those. Those, all those other teams are five hundred or below already, and the and the with their overall records, it's hard to put together a good RPI when your overall record's that bad.
2: Yeah, it is going to be a real uphill slog for teams like. Arizona and Stanford and Cal and you know Cal we had talked about it a couple of weeks ago is, is maybe being the team we were looking for teams in the Pac-12 we are uh, to emerge and and we thought maybe it was Cal they were ten and five and now they're eleven and eleven so uh, the wheels fell off pretty quickly for those guys USC this weekend um, you know I think won a big road series up at Stanford they needed that as a team we like coming into the year they had struggled the previous few weeks quite I, a bit
1: that's why I say that they you know Stanford has played probably the toughest schedule in the country. Um, yes and I don't know what it says on the strength of schedule but just in intended schedule they've played the most big name good programs of anybody every weekend it's it's Rice, it's Vanderbilt it's Texas it's this it's that and now USC and they're at home and uh you know obviously it's a young pitching staff out it uh, on the farm always fun to say but a pretty huge uh performance by USC and especially the way they won Sunday and to come back two in the eighth and three in the tenth, uh, five scoreless innings out of Kyle Toomey out of the bullpen. It feels like it wasn't just that USC won the series. They won uh, you know, some classic Pac-12 uh, low-scoring games and got some big weekends out of uh, Jeremy Martinez and Toomey and the guys who were supposed to be their guys.
2: Yeah, and to me in particular I think, you know, such a such a key guy to get him going and I, I think ideally you really would like to have him starting on the weekends and so maybe he can use this as a springboard here um after a, a very strong performance there.
1: Yeah, and I think Martinez at the tying home run or a tying two run uh hit, double in the eighth inning there so it's a guy you know these are the guys that you know they don't have a ton of depth. They're USC, they you know they have a, a lot of scholarship money tied up in a few quote-unquote star players. Um, you know that's a big that's a big series win for the Trojans and if there's going to be a fifth team out of the Pac-12. Maybe Stanford can get hot. You know they have the RPI for it because they're you expect their RPI to be pretty high. Um, but that's a that's a that was a big series win I thought for the Trojans. Um, Aaron, just touch on a couple other things. I think the most impressive team in conference play in the whole country so far this year has probably been Rice at number ten. And I think if we could, if the poll mechanics had allowed it we would have ranked Rice higher. But at uh, what t- uh, back-to-back series sweeps of Conference USA newcomers, FAU and FIU, and uh, in a showdown of owls this weekend, it was the long-standing owls that uh, really came through. I mean, this is a team on a nine-game win streak, and that, that's the way you respond to adversity, I guess, right? I mean, you, you have your number one starter hurt, and uh, you come out and you, and you sweep those two teams back-to-back.
2: Those are two real quality series wins. I mean, um, two teams that uh, should be in the mix for regionals. And, you know, they, you know, Rice is, is, they've really clicked offensively. Um, And, you know, the pitching staff has gelled because how about Matt Dittman? That guy hadn't allowed a run yet in 21 innings out of the bullpen. Um, You know, I mean, it makes it, makes it, makes it so much easier to to put Zach Lamond on Friday when you've got that guy at the back of the bullpen, um, and then Chase McDowell. We talked about I think last week is a guy that they were hoping could step into that rotation and give them a you know some stable uh, uh, some stability on on Sundays, and he did. You know he, he pitched seven strong innings this weekend, so. Um, yeah, I think, I think Rice, to me, looks like a pretty balanced team. And, you know, it's funny because just three weeks ago, probably on this very podcast, we were talking about how we were worried about Rice after losing Jordan Stevens. Right. And now I, feel, now I feel great about Rice, even without Stevens. I just feel like they're, you know, it, we're, it's hard to find teams that are balanced. Um, and, they, and they have pretty good balance here. And, and I, think, uh, I think they're pretty darn good.
1: I Succinctly and well said, Aaron. I forgot to read this earlier. We've hit this topic, but I do want to read our podcast question from podcast at baseballamerica.com from Bill gates, not Bill, Joe LaCates. Um More of a draft question than a strictly college related. Um, he's excited about Jake Stanett, a rare senior draft prospect. Seemed like a fifth to tenth round guy with some good velo and a good frame, maybe be a nice, low leverage, inexpensive pick for a team looking to spend money elsewhere. After seeing his eight-inning, 14-strikeout performance on Friday with good command of three pitches and the nice velo, and besting NC State and Carlos Rodon, I admit I'm a believer. Is this someone who could possibly be playing himself up into the first few rounds of yeah. the draft? And also, big kudos to Aaron for saying in an earlier podcast that would give Maryland a Friday starter who could actually hang with the best of the aces in the ACC. Aaron, I had a report of Sinet up to 96 yep. Friday, and I had one scout just tell me that if you didn't know the track record and you didn't know the history... That you and, and you just saw, again, like, I mean, the only way to say it in the way that the scout said it is, if you saw Rodon's act on Friday, and scouts are very down on that body language, like you said, and you just saw Stannett just be business, you know, sound, to, to quote Eddie Murphy from Boomerang, strictly business, and just go <laughs> in there and uh, just take care of his business. Um, uh, to use the old Pat Murphy phrase, palm down, you know, not looking for any handout. He's pitching his way into the first couple of rounds of the draft is what it sounds yes. like here. And, and the fact that he's a senior and you can save some money there, he might be a, a senior first round pick. I don't think that's a crazy uh, to say, is it?
2: No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, this is it's it's ninety three ninety six every time out, and it's heavy downhill. And you know when, when it's he finishes again,
1: heavy, is there something wrong <laughs> with the Earth's gravitational pull?
2: Automatic plus two, well Thank played. You. Um, and when he, and when he really finishes that breaking ball, um, you know, it, it, it can really be a hammer. I mean, he can snap off some very good ones. So, um, he's got the size, he's got the durability, he's got the athleticism, former position player and, you know, still a fairly fresh arm. And, um, yeah, John, I think he could be a first round pick and uh, this would be a guy probably for us to write about here in draft tracker pretty soon because he's got some helium and, uh, you know, I think he's very intriguing.
1: I agree, Aaron. That's as good a way as any to in the podcast. Uh, great stuff from you. And uh, so where's your uh, next stop on the itinerary ride?
2: I'll be in Stillwater tomorrow night um, for a midweek game. Isn't that uh, the name o-
1: of the band in uh, Almost Famous? Yeah,
2: there you go. Stillwater Runs Deep, I think, was the, the headline for That's it. Um, and then Wednesday I'll be in Manhattan for Kansas State in Nebraska and then I'll see Nebraska again on Friday against UNLV and uh, I think I'll finish the trip in Wichita to see the Cal State Fullerton Titans against the Shockers
1: I love that you're getting to see Fullerton Uh, are you going to be is uh, is Phil Bickford going to be pitching on Sunday or he's moved up to Saturday by now has he not?
2: (laughs) He has been pitching on Saturday, although I think Garza is supposed to be back next week, so we'll see um, how they structure the rotation. So I might just try to catch both of the last two games of that series and, and see if I can see both those guys. That'll be fun.
0: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours...